guys, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I am so glad to have you listening. Today, we have such an incredible guest. You could pretty much call him one of the godfathers of paleo and the primal living lifestyle. So if you're interested in making those healthy changes, learning about the paleo life, learning about ketosis, and also learning about how to do those things in a balanced, approachable way, then Mark Sisson is your guy. And I'm so honored to have him on the podcast today. I truly can't believe that he came on and chatted with me. Just a couple years ago, I was in the audience listening to Mark speak at Summit at Sea, which is this amazing conference of kind of like a meeting of the minds of people doing incredible things in all types of industries. And I had the privilege of listening to Mark speak about his journey, starting his blog, Mark's Daily Apple in 2006, and turning this whole primal living movement into a brand, a career, a thriving business on so many levels, so many platforms. He has Primal Kitchen, which is his food brand that you guys have probably heard of. Maybe you've tried the dressings or the other delicious items that they sell. Maybe you've heard of Mark's health coaching program, or maybe you've heard of his restaurants, Primal Kitchen, which I'm so excited to try. There's one that just opened in Culver City. And as you listen to this podcast, you'll learn that it's a franchise. So wherever you live, they're looking to open and maybe Mark will offer you a job and you'll be able to open a franchise of a really healthy primal restaurant, which is kind of my dream. Those of us who are into this kind of eating and lifestyle can actually go out to dinner and enjoy something that we want to eat and that is delicious and healthy and food we can trust and well-researched, organic oils that are safe, all of that incredible stuff. So just to give you a brief rundown on what Mark and I discuss in this episode, I had the privilege to talk to him on Skype. He's up in Malibu and he is a busy dude. So I was thrilled to Skype with him and have the chance to work the Soul on Fire podcast into his schedule. And Beyond that, I was lucky enough to connect with many of the people from his team, the Primal Kitchen team and the Mark Sisson team, like Morgan and Anna. Spent a lot of time with those two at Revitalize, the Mind Body Green Conference. I even shared an Uber with Anna to the airport where we talked about all sorts of fun ideas and things that Mark and I can do together with his new book coming out, The Keto Reset which everybody needs to get their hands on. So you guys can learn more about that in this episode. And of course, head to Mark's website and theketoreset.com to get your hands on one of these books. It's coming out on October 3rd, which is so incredibly soon. Maybe by the time you listen to this, it'll already be out. So maybe not, maybe it's a couple weeks. So go pre-order that bad boy. If it's not October 3rd yet, and if it is, go get your hands on that book. It will teach you how to reboot your metabolism in 21 days and burn fat forever. It also has a hundred plus delicious recipes that are all low carb,
carb, high fat, and ketogenic. And as you'll learn in this episode, Mark is not 100% staunch or militant about being keto, which I appreciate because you guys know I like to live a label-free life as much as I love learning about ketosis and paleo and primal. I sometimes feel like being more vegetarian-based and sometimes I feel like eating more carbs and it really depends on the day, your lifestyle, what kind of exercise you're doing at the moment, what kind of energy you want to have, what kind of brain power you need for what you're working on. And I totally believe that our diet fluctuates with our life and so does Mark. So we talk about a lot of fun things in this episode, like how Mark built his brand, his company, how he expanded from Mark's Daily Apple, his blog, into everything else that he does now, an absolute entrepreneurial powerhouse, one of the most successful people in the wellness industry. And to top it all off, he prioritizes his family, being a dad, being a husband, taking care of himself, doing what he loves the most, going out into the ocean and paddleboarding. And his life in Malibu is basically a dream. He does what he loves. He surrounds himself with good people. He puts his family first and he has built an absolutely killer brand that is inspiring hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, probably millions, to live a healthier, happier life. He's the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint and lots of other books, and he's an incredible speaker. He does so much. I'm so impressed by him. I'm so fascinated by everything he's done, and I'm just really honored to have him here today and share his wisdom with you, with all of you amazing humans. And I also wanted to say Mark was kind enough to offer us a free copy of his new book, The Keto Reset Diet. So to enter to win the giveaway of that amazing book, all you have to do is join the Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook, if you're not already a part of it, and comment on the photo that I will be posting about this giveaway, telling me why you want to try this book and why you want to learn more about ketosis and Bonus points if you tell me what your favorite part of this episode is. So I can't wait to dive into this episode. And before we do, I would like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Rebel. You guys know I love Rebel. They are a coconut milk-based elixir and protein drink company. And I'm going to go so far to say, without putting words in his mouth, that Mark would definitely be a supporter of Rebel. He probably knows Cheryl, Cheryl O'Loughlin, their CEO, who's also coming on this podcast. I interviewed her last week and she also has an incredible entrepreneurial story to tell, just like Mark. So I always love tying in my sponsorships with whoever the episode is about, whoever my guest is on each episode, because the Balance Blonde Soul on Fire lifestyle is a lifestyle. Everyone I have on, every product that I talk about, every brand that I bring up is all under the same umbrella of living this healthier, happier life, finding these biohacks to be our best self and to feel our best so that we can dive deep spiritually, so that we can create from the heart and follow our passions, pursue our dreams. That's what the lifestyle is all about. So Rebel, 
As usual, Rebel and I are doing a giveaway. So head to Instagram, comment on the photo that I use on the Balanced Blonde Instagram to promote this episode, tag a friend, and tell us why you want to try Rebel. Rebel is all about community, just like I am. And they like to send, and I like to have them send, a case of Rebel to one lucky winner and the lucky winner's best friend every time they sponsor an episode. How cool is that? So to tell you a little bit more about Rebel, Rebel is, like I said, a coconut milk-based elixir and protein drink company. They are full of super herbs and adaptogens. Adaptogens are super herbs that are used by ancient cultures to bring the body back into balance. So different super herbs and adaptogens that you might find in a Rebel drink would be ashwagandha, maca, turmeric, and all sorts of other delicious things. Ashwagandha, for me at least, keeps me feeling nice and balanced. It brings my body back to homeostasis. I like to take this herb before I go to sleep at night, especially if I've taken a hot vinyasa class late in the evening and my mind is all over the place and it really calms me down. But the cool thing about adaptogens is that they adapt to your specific body. So ashwagandha might work completely different for you. It might stimulate your brain and make you feel more focused. It might alleviate some symptoms of depression and anxiety by bringing you back to your particular homeostasis and balance. And what I love about Rebel is that they use a specific combination of super herbs in their drinks. So you're getting what you need from ashwagandha, maca, turmeric, whatever it may be, without overdoing it or underdoing it. Because these herbs, they're, they've been used in Chinese medicine for light years for so much longer than we've been using them here on the West. And I feel like adaptogens have gotten really trendy, which is cool. And trust me, I'm I'm into that. I'm always into healthy, good for us things, getting trendy and hip and all over the place. But I also don't want everyone listening to think that you can just throw all these different adaptogens into all of your beverages all day and enhance and enrich your life. They're serious herbs and they should be used in a medicinal way and a fun way. It's always fun to play around, but also in a medicinal way. So companies like Rebel, they do their research. They source from the best, most organic places and they use the combination and the amount that is good for us as humans, which is really important and I love it. So these drinks are also full of healthy fats and MCTs, which are medium chain triglycerides. So that's something that Mark will approve of. Nice and keto friendly. You'll get those healthy fats and they're certified organic, non-GMO, soy free, dairy-free, paleo-friendly, and fair trade when available. And something really cool that I learned when I talked to Cheryl, their CEO, is that someone who I heard speak at Revitalize, Paul Hawken, who if you guys don't know who he is, look up his work. He has done incredible work on climate change. He has a book called Drawdown, which is a solution-by-solution-based program for reducing climate change and reversing global warming. 
I can't even tell you how inspirational his talk was at Revitalize. And I think that everyone should read this book and learn about his solutions and learn that our world is not coming to an end. There's a lot of things that we can do. So I learned that Paul Hawkins' son is the founder of Rebel, which is just so cool. I learned that in my conversation with Cheryl last week. And I just love how everything comes together because this really is a lifestyle. And when it's a lifestyle, everything fits together. Everything kind of becomes small world-ish and people know each other and it's a small little circle, yet a big one. And you guys are a part of it and all of it makes me so happy. So the lifestyle is amazing. And a few other cool things about Rebel. They, of course, were born out of their nonprofit, Not For Sale, which works to raise awareness about human trafficking and raise funds. They are an impact-driven model, so I can stand behind everything they do from the mission that they have to the health benefits of their drinks to how delicious they are to the people behind the company. And I can definitely draw that back into today's guest, Mark Sisson, because that's how I feel about his company also. Primal Kitchen, the Primal Blueprint, Mark's Daily Apple, everything he does. So yay for the lifestyle. Yay for you guys being a part of it. Let's go ahead and dive on into this episode. Okay, guys, I am here with Mark Sisson, an amazing blogger, leader in the paleo movement, and so many other things. I was just going through your website thinking, what does what does this man not do? And I actually had the pleasure of hearing you speak a couple years ago at Summit at Sea with On the Boat. And I was just blown away by everything that you said and everything that you do for health and wellness and people who want to live happier, healthier lives. So I'm so honored to have you here today. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. We'll have some fun. Yes. So I know that you have done so many interviews in your time. You have had your website since 2006. So one of my goals today is to talk to you about some things that you might not get asked all the time. Because I know how it is to be interviewed over and over about the same subjects. And of course, we want to hear what you do, what your mission is, all about paleo, primal, all that good stuff. But I also just want to know about you. Cool. Well, um, yeah, let's get started. Okay. So tell me, Mark, tell us, me and all my listeners, something that you like to do. Oh, uh, well, I love to stand up paddle. Probably one of my favorite things to do. I try to get out once a week for an hour to two hours. Uh, I try to get out alone. Um, it's my real alone time. I mean, there's there's uh, very few places that you can sequester yourself uh, any more so than a mile out at sea. So that's, that's so that's true. What I try to do. Yeah, that's so nice. And you live in Malibu, is that correct? That's right. Very nice. We're not that far away from each other. Apparently not. Yeah, I'm in Brentwood, but I come to Malibu all the time. I used to live in Brentwood, and in fact, I met my wife when we both lived in Brentwood. No way! Where did you right. live? Yeah. Where did you live in Brentwood? Um, well, let's see. I was on Darlington for a while. Me too. Get out! Of yeah, here. Darlington yeah. between Granville and Barrington. Yeah, and then I was on Goshen for a little bit when we came back. We got married in Colorado, came back to to, uh, to LA. And then um, we lived on Gretna Green 
for a um, couple of years during the whole OJ thing. So, Oh, we, my God. You were so close. Very close. Yeah, like just uh, like two blocks away. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, it was nuts. And what was nuts about it was pretty much that for the next three years, it became a tourist attraction. And totally. so that's one of the... Well, that's one of the reasons we moved away. It was just too crazy with the traffic around it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the original apartment building is not there anymore. So people tried to go look at it, try to see, get their eyes on everything where, where she used to live. But I think it's gone now. That's so crazy. So then you moved to Malibu. Well, so then we moved to Santa Monica. And um, we're in Santa Monica for a couple of years. And that's where I started my business. But Santa Monica got too urban. I had two young kids at the time. I had my kids were um, six and three. And so I just felt kind of, I don't know what it was, but like to have to, you know, walk them down the sidewalk to the next door neighbor's house because I was a little spooked at the whole, you know, urbanization of it was too much for me. So we moved up to the suburban part of uh, Malibu so I, my kids could roam free. I got free range kids. That's so nice. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're twenty. They're they're twenty six and twenty three now. So it's you know, wow. Now they're back roaming Santa Monica and Brentwood. But uh, exactly, they're my age. That's amazing. Well, the twenty six year old is my age. That's fantastic. So now that we know what you like to do, where you live, where you used to live, all that good stuff, tell us a little bit about starting your website, Mark's Daily Apple, in two thousand six, way back before blogs were very popular. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been a, uh, I've had my own companies for a long time. And uh, starting about 21 years ago, I started a uh, supplement company to make kind of supplements that athletes could take to improve their performance, but not break any rules. So, you know, safe, legal, natural, performance enhancing, uh, recovery enhancing sort of supplements. And I started uh, as a direct response business. So I started actually on television with uh, infomercial like opportunities i i talk about you know the problem of overtraining and the problem of uh uh you know not recovering quick enough and how that would have an effect on muscle damage and over the years i built up a great business on television uh and then at some point around 2004 that whole model fell apart it fell apart partly because the internet was coming on board so not many not as many people were watching television uh infomercials were no longer like the thing uh, there were so many of them on TV that you sort of didn't get attracted to anyone particular infomercial. That call to action, you know, buy now in the next 30 minutes and we'll send you this, this, and this. But wait, there's more. That All that stuff disappeared. So I um, I just pivoted. And I thought, well, how am I going to... I had a really good audience on, on television. Um, I wasn't really doing infomercials. I was doing paid programming where I was a guest speaker on these health talk shows. So I knew I was great at creating content. And I knew, um, you know, I wanted to stay in the health field. And I was starting to talk more, uh, less to athletes and more to just general average people who wanted to live longer and be healthy and be fit. So I thought, well, I'll start a blog. You know, in a couple of months, I'll have 100,000 viewers a day and it'll be awesome. And, you know, and then I'll, I'll be able to uh, continue in business with my supplement company. Well, you know, didn't work that way. And a year into it, I had 1,000 visitors a day. And then two years into it, I had... Mm, 2,500 and then, you know, but it doubled every year. So within five or six years, I had a, the largest blog of its kind on the internet in terms of in, uh, in ancestral health. So that's kind of how I got started in the blogging. It was just like, kind of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I've got this message I want to get out there. And 
uh, you know, my experience in television is no longer serving me. How do I start fresh? And that was the blog. That's amazing. I love that because people, I think, are always looking for ways to evolve when something's not working for them anymore. So it's really cool that you took your television career, started the blog, and then, of course, from there started all different kinds of companies and you're an author and you have restaurants and a health coaching program. And all of that is so interesting and exciting to me. So how did you decide once you had been blogging and you have this audience, how did you decide where to go next? Because there was probably endless possibilities. That's it. There were endless possibilities. I mean, I've known my whole life that I wanted to do something in health and fitness. I've known uh, that I wanted to make an impact on the world. Uh, and it's basically changing the way the world sees fitness and health uh, through a lens of evolution and through a lens of the sort of behavioral changes that the individual can make without relying on doctors and medicine and drugs and surgery and whatnot. The types of choices people can make on their own to guide them toward better health. So when the bug started, I had had, um, you know, I had a couple of maybe a year's worth of regular articles under my belt and people started asking me if I, if there was a book that I had because they didn't want to go back and comb through 365 articles or 700 articles by the time the book finally came out. So I started writing a book and I wrote a book called the primal blueprint. And that was titled, uh, with, with a very specific, um, goal in mind, which is to create a brand. I wanted primal to be my brand. I'd been using the term already for, the previous 15 years, I had a, a personal training company back in the mid 80s called Primal Fitness. I had a publishing company in 1989. I self-published a couple of books uh, called uh, under the under the moniker Primal Urge Press. So I've always been in that, that kind of primal guy. I had a real strong interest in evolution and things that are primary and primal of nature. So I wanted to create a brand that would attract people who were interested again in 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 taking back control of their own health. So the book came out in 2010 and it took off. I sold a lot, a lot of copies and I self-published it. So based on that experience of self-publishing, uh, published a cookbook right behind that, that did very well. So I, I published my own books, but then within a few years, I have a publishing company now. So I'll start publishing, uh, other authors who are writing about similar topics. So most of my authors are in the space of fitness and health and diet and exercise and a little bit of medicine. And things like that. So that was, you know, that was sort of a an easy uh, segue from the blogging. What wasn't quite so obvious and easy was I started doing seminars and uh, three day events. We had this thing called PrimalCon, and it would be a three day experience where you would come into a resort town. Typically, we had them in Oxnard at the at a resort on the beach in Oxnard, and for three days, we would just bring in speakers who were in the paleo or minimal foot movement or Olympic lifting because CrossFit was big, starting to come on board. We'd cater them with specific, like total deep, deep primal meals. And it, so people have a blast doing that. And they spent three days just living primally. Uh, and that was a ton of fun. And then we figured out we weren't making any money doing it. So it was a lot of fun, but there was, we weren't making any money. So, you know, then we... Yeah, it started. We did seminars one year. We did 18 seminars one year across the country, and that was pretty spectacular. And got a lot of traction with that. But I kept, you know, kind of looking at where the what was the best way for me to leverage my knowledge, you know. And it wasn't uh, appearing in front of a hundred people necessarily talking 
at giving a live presentation. Uh, it was more in things like what became the Primal Health Coach Program, where we have you know thousands of people who who learn to do what I do, and then can go out and they can talk to fifty or hundred or three hundred people, right? So that was sort of a natural evolution of you know the Primal Blueprint and the what I call the technology, the intellectual property, you know, the, just the template of living a, a primal life. So I realized I'd been writing about food and I'd been writing about um, rendering your own bone broth and making your own lard and, and a recipe every Saturday. But I, I was starting to recognize that some of the things that I, that I was telling people how to make, I wish there was a product like that in the stores. Like, I don't want to make mayonnaise every three days because it doesn't last long when you make it. You know, I want condiments that I can, like, put all over my food and make it taste great and make it healthy. I don't want to just have to use them sparingly. So I started doing research on the types of uh, food products that I would like to see in the space. And I, and I thought, you know, again, condiments are like the holy grail of paleo. If you could make a mayonnaise that, that was healthy and tasted great, then people could eat chicken salad and tuna salad and egg salad and maybe even potato salad, uh, you know, and coleslaw and stuff like that. You could put it on burgers. So we spent a year in R&D and came up with this awesome mayonnaise that is the Primal Kitchen Mayo. I love it. I just used it to make some tuna yeah. yesterday. It was so good. Cool. And um, it just, it took off. I mean, we're the number one best-selling condiment of any condiment in Whole Foods now. Uh, so we're, cool. you know, best-selling mayonnaise on Amazon. I mean, you, can, you just go down the line. We're, it's really, it's amazing the the traction that it's gotten. The The number of you know, people who've come out of the woodwork going, oh, I've been waiting for something like this my whole life. Uh, and so that was great. So we, then we introduced a flavored mayonnaise and now we have five flavors of salad dressing and they're all based on avocado oil, which is the healthiest possible oil that you can consume. So that's what one of the unique selling prospects is that no one else makes a product that's entirely made of uh, avocado oil as its base. And then, you know, because I had some issues with injuries uh, a bunch of years back that I cured with collagen supplementation, I thought, well, I'd like to see a product that I could take every day that would provide me an opportunity to get some collagen into my, into my body. Because, you know, after the age of 30 or 35, the stuff that breaks down isn't your muscles, it's your tendons and your ligaments, your joints and stuff like that. Uh, muscles are easy to build. So I thought, well, I, anyway, I spent a year supplementing with collagen. I fixed all my injuries. I thought, well, this is amazing. I need a product that we can, that we can put on the market that that I would take every day and that somebody else would take. So that, that sort of was the, the genesis of our collagen bars. And so now we have these Primal Kitchen collagen protein bars. I love those too. Yeah, and they're great. People love them and they're, you know, they, they not only supply collagen, obviously they taste great and they take the edge off of hunger. And, and then we, now we have a collagen uh, drink mix, a powdered drink mix. And we have, um, yeah, it's just, um, we've been slow getting it, out of R&D, but it's about ready to take off. What else? We bottle avocado oil. We bottle um, extra virgin avocado oil. So we've got like you know t 20 products in our lineup right now and lots more to come. And it's going, you know, the, the, that food business is going great. That's so exciting. And I never, I never would have thought that that would be, you know, that I would be the Malibu Mayo King. Right. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> it has good alliteration to it, though. Yeah, I know. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. And then just sort of by, you know, um, at the same time, about four years ago, I also was thinking, well, I wish there was a place I could go to eat and, and eat the kind of food that I'm writing about. And 
uh, that had the kind of recipes that I'm writing about. And uh, at the time, I, I met uh, a partner, uh, the guy who became my partner, and he approached me. He's a, a franchising expert, and has been doing it for 25 years, and said he'd been looking for the perfect opportunity to combine his expertise in franchising with the right timing of a new concept. And he had uh, derived some tremendous benefit from going primal and thought this was the new the hot new thing. So we started a partnership four years ago. And just in the last, you know, 30 days, we've launched, we launched our first restaurant uh, in South Bend, Indiana. Oh my God. So cool. There's a primal kitchen restaurant in, in South Bend. How did you choose Indiana? They chose us. So we had some people, some, some friends of mine who had done one of my events years ago and were totally enthralled with the primal lifestyle and felt that this was something that they could do to, you know, combine their love of health and their interest in, um, in, uh, uh, addressing community issues and a business opportunity. So they became, uh, one of our first franchisees. So they, they built the restaurant in South Bend. Uh, and it's, like I say, it's doing extremely well. I don't know when so this cool. is, this, this podcast is airing, but just, I'll, just I'll be out weeks. there. Okay. I'll be out there September, uh, 29. 30 and 31, they have a grand oh, opening good. on the 30th. Oh, this will be right before that. So people listening, if you live out there, you should go meet Mark. That's so cool. Yeah. Actually, to, to be specific, I'll be there um, on the 30th from 1130 to 230, um, you know, doing a meet and greet and signing autographs and doing books and so all kinds cool. of cool stuff. Oh my gosh. How, how awesome for Indiana. I don't think there's anything like it out there. There isn't, which is why, which is most gratifying is it's really, um, it's really caught on there. There are a lot of, they're doing great business. People are loving it. Uh, so we're very excited about the prospects and, you know, it's, it's indicative, I think of this, you know, sort of, there's an assumption that, well, you know, health food stuff and health food and clean eating really only does well in Manhattan and Southern California and maybe Portland, Oregon or something like that. No, I mean, this is showing us that there are people all over the country that are like, Give me something clean to eat and I will, I will go there. Yes. Yes. People who listen to this podcast from all over the world, but especially all over the country, are always saying that they wish that they had more access to healthy food and the fitness studios that we have and the crystal shops and the lifestyle. So there's definitely a hunger and a need for it everywhere. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so that also, if, if there's anyone in your audience that's thinking about opening a business, you know, we have franchises available around the rest of the country, but, um, and more specifically my, or not specifically, but in addition, my, my kids, uh, who the ones that used to free roam Malibu when we moved out here, yes, love <laughs> uh, it. free range kids, the, the free range kids, they are opening one in Culver city, uh, as we speak. So it'll be so open by the time. To me. I'm so excited. So this one will, uh, this podcast, they'll, they'll be open by this podcast. So very excited about that. And we have one being built in Santa Cruz, one being built in um, Portland, Oregon, and then a few more around the country right now. So we have uh, lots of stuff going on between the food company, the restaurant group, and the health coaching program. I'm staying fairly busy, Jordan. No kidding. Wow. So that's so funny. You're totally speaking to me right now because this summer I've been to Santa Cruz. I've been to Portland. I have not been to Indiana, but in both places I can 100% see a primal restaurant doing so well. And I'm just selfishly incredibly excited that Culver City is opening because that's so close. And 
Culver City is really up and coming. There's lots of exciting things happening there with fitness studios and restaurants right now. So I'm glad that you guys are a part of it. We are thrilled. You know, we looked for 14 months wow. aggressively for a space between Oxnard and the South Bay down at Hermosa mm-hmm. Beach. And we saw every space that came on the market. And and it was difficult because some of them weren't right. Some of them didn't have the right demographic. Those that were right, you know, got snatched away by large, you know, corporations that have 50 or 500 units. So we were fortunate to finally get this space. And it's like literally right in the heart of Old Culver City, which is exactly so where we wanted cool. to be. So. Yeah, that's a beautiful area. It's right next to where I went to college at Loyola Marymount, right up the hill. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I want to back up a tiny bit for people listening who might not be totally familiar with the primal lifestyle that you and I just talk so freely about, because of course it's a huge (laughs) part of our lives. We assume everybody does that. Exactly. I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening would like an in-depth explanation from you about what primal is. Yeah. So primal is my uh, adaptation of an ancestral lifestyle that looks primarily at how can we achieve optimal fitness by controlling how our genes rebuild us, renew us, regenerate us, recreate us, repair us minute by minute, day by day. So just in the last 10 years, we've gotten a lot of really strong information about how powerful genes are and how powerful the epigenetic factor is. And the epigenetics are the things that turn those genes on or off. So the behaviors, the lifestyles, the foods we eat, can turn genes on or off. The amount of sleep we get can turn genes on or off. The amount of sun exposure we get, the amount of play we engage in, how often we use our brains. All these things can affect genetic expression to the extent that we can turn off genes that might cause inflammation or pain or depression. We can turn on genes that build muscle, that burn fat, uh, that, that give us uh, an elevated mood. And so my goal originally with the primal blueprint was to was to was to uncover these hidden genetic switches and then give people information on how to access an awesome life by making these sorts of lifestyle uh, alterations and making these choices so i came up with a thing called the primal blueprint the 10 laws you know outlined in all my books and they're pretty simple laws but they're patterned based on evolution and how our ancestors lived so that our genes that evolved over millions of years came to expect these sorts of behaviors on a regular basis. So our genes don't expect us to be you know, staying up late watching TV. Our genes don't expect us to be eating artificial sweeteners or, or preservatives. You know, our genes don't expect us to be sitting at a desk all day long. Well, some of that stuff you know, we created, we, we, we built it for ourselves, but there are workarounds. There are ways that we can choose to eat certain foods that our genes do expect of us, healthy fats, clean proteins, minimized amounts of sugar, unprocessed foods, no grains. Uh, There are certain things that we can do. Even if we do have a desk job, our genes don't expect us to sit all day. But if we get up and move around a little bit and maybe take a walk or just stretch every 15, 20 minutes at our desk or have a stand-up desk like I do or have a stand-up desk with a treadmill like a lot of my employees have. I want one of those. They're awesome. They're, they're fabulous. Uh, so there's a workaround on all these things. You know, if you can orchestrate your sleep so that you sleep in a, in a room that's completely dark, uh, where the temperature is around you know, 67 degrees, uh, that you sleep, that you go to sleep not having watched some uh, scary movie or worse yet, the evening news. Uh, Seriously. You know, <laughs> just basically a scary movie these days. Totally. Uh, 
you know, and wake up naturally and refreshed, not to a, the blare of an alarm clock. All these things are based on signals that we get from human biology and evolution. So that's where these 10 laws come from. So I have things like, you know, eat lots of plants and animals. Well, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. That's what every human did for the last 2 million years. Um, avoid poisonous things. You know, our ancestors knew to avoid things that were toxic and would kill them. We don't quite have that information these days. So I try to help people understand that there are some things that are pretty toxic that you eat almost on a daily basis that you probably not, uh, not ought to be eating. Um, move frequently at a slow pace. Our ancestors always moved around. They were migrating. They were walking. They were foraging. They were crawling. They were doing all sorts of, of movement. And it wasn't, you know, they weren't burning a lot of calories doing that. They were just living, right? They were just living. They didn't have chairs to sit in or sofas or, or, or beds to, or, you know, desks to sit at. They were either standing, walking, or squatting, you know, or lying down at night. So that's, that's one of the ways that our, our, our genes expect us to move around a lot. And when we do find ways to move, we make our genes happy. So, um, you know, uh, things like that. Lift heavy things is one of my laws. Well, twice a week, go to the gym, do a hard, uh, hard workout with weights or body weight stuff. I just, I mostly do push-ups, pull-ups, dips, squats, lunges, things like that. But the muscles expect you to do that. The genes expect you to exert uh, yourself so that you build a strong uh, musculature so that you can live life. And, and, and for a lot of people, you know, they think, well, uh, I go to the gym once a week and I do my aerobic stuff and that's enough. No, you have to do weight bearing activity because your bones need, need, they need the stress of weight on them in order for the bones to, to kind of get that signal, uh, that, that genetic signal that they need to be stronger. They need to be more dense. Uh, so a lot of stuff happens when you do two weight workouts a week, but it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be 20 or 30 minutes of, of, you know, fairly rigorous weight training, but that's something that our ancestors, you know, our ancestors carried babies around. They lugged stones. They built, you know, they built structures. They climbed trees. They, they carried a carcass back to camp after they shot it or shot it after they killed it, shot it with a bow, uh, an arrow. Um, you know, that, that sort of, so it's kind of fun to look back at all of the behaviors that humans have exhibited over over the eons, over the millions of years, and and this, and see that yeah, our genes expect us to be doing this stuff, and if and if we can find ways to mimic that through again through how well we sleep, um, how 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 we move, uh, what kind of foods we eat, we can achieve this strong, lean, fit, happy, healthy, productive human body that we all claim that we want. Yes. So that's primal for everybody listening. That sounds pretty yeah. amazing to feel that way. So how did yeah, you... Yeah, so it... Yeah, it's a... But you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not it just like a diet. That's the no, thing. No, it's a people, lifestyle. People, well, Thank you. Some people say, what's well, a diet? But it's a lifestyle because we want to control stress. Yeah, we want to have fun. I mean, look, at the essence of everything, I want people, more than anything, I want people to get the most amount of enjoyment, pleasure, contentment, satisfaction, and thrill out of every possible moment. Well, that sounds pretty amazing. I think that's the way to live life, and I'm completely with you. This podcast is called the Soul on Fire podcast, so it's all about living a soul on fire life, a happy life full of fun, full of love, full of everything that makes you feel as good as you can possibly feel. So I think we're there on the go. same page. I yeah, love absolutely. it. So I'm interested to hear how you got into the primal lifestyle. Well, so I, um, I started as an athlete a long time ago and, um, 
let's see, I was uh, a marathoner at an early age. I was uh, interested in, I was interested in health and fitness at the same time. So I started running because that seemed to be in those days, cardio was the big word that everybody used to be, to be healthy. And the more cardio you did, theoretically, the stronger your heart would be. And theoretically, the longer you'd live. We now that know that that's not exactly true, which is ironic. But I did that. I pursued that for a long time. Um, I ate lots of carbs uh, in order to fuel all the miles that I did running. And over the years, I became a, a good racer. I finished fifth in the U.S. National Championships in the marathon in 1980. I qualified for the Olympic trials in 1980. I finished fourth at Ironman in Hawaii in so 1982. Cool. Yeah, so I was pretty fit. But I was falling apart on the inside. I was really destroying myself. And it was mostly the diet. The diet was so inflammatory, I realized years later. So I started, I actually had to retire from competition at 29 years of age and, and kind of rethink this whole uh, journey that I'd taken thus far, which in the beginning was was atten- intended to take me down a path of health. And it, it just took me down the exact opposite path. So I kind of reassessed where I was and thought, you know what, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to be strong and lean and fit and healthy at the same time with the least amount of pain, suffering, and sacrifice possible. And that's really kind of how I've uh, dedicated you know, all the research I've done over the years. Because I really, more than anything, I think I fancy myself a researcher and a storyteller. So I take the research, I take you know, science, hard, hard science that I've been able to research uh, because I have a background in biology and I was a pre-med candidate. And I can uh, translate it pretty well into uh, takeaways that the average reader can go, oh, wow, that makes sense. You know, I get that. I didn't, I, may, I maybe didn't read the paper and understand what was going on at the level of, of gene expression, but I can understand that by, um, you know, cutting out sugars and cutting back on processed grains, for instance, um, you know, I can lower my insulin response on a regular basis and learn how to burn fats better. So, so um, for me, I was, uh, it was a, it was an evolution that took place over 20 years. I, I cut way back on the amount of training because I couldn't train hard anymore because of my injuries. Um, because I wasn't training hard, I cut back on the amount of food I was eating. I was kind of afraid that I was going to gain weight I, because if I kept eating like that. I didn't. Um, I started incorporating healthy fats. I, I, I think I got very early on that healthy fats are actually good for you and that saturated fat isn't the big issue that people think it, think it is. Um, and I kept getting more and more primal or more and more paleo over the years. And then finally, it's, it's probably 17 years ago, I did, a, I did a experiment where I gave up grains for 30 days. And I'd been eating grains my whole life. Uh, and, you know, I had arthritis and I had irritable bowel syndrome and I had tendonitis and I had all these maladies. And some of them I thought by the age of 47, which is when I did this experiment, that's just a natural part of getting older. And, and it is what it is. And I can, you know, whatever, I'll live with it. Everybody else does. Well, I gave up grains for 30 days and all, my arthritis went away. My IBS went away. My, my heartburn went away. All these things that I'd sort of assumed I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life or assumed were a result of my being kind of a neurotic type A, high stress, high strung business type individual, that that's the reason that I have all these things. Well, getting rid of grains just completely cleared it up. And it was so mind boggling to me that I would have that amount of change in my health in that short a time by having avoided just basically one class of food. And I thought, well, geez, if, if, if that's happening to me and I'm a guy who ate grains my whole life and I sort of knew better, I'd, I'd written about grains and how they might be problematic for some people, but because I wasn't celiac, 
say, oh, well, I'm not going to give up a Cinnabon. I'm not going to give up my, you know, cin- my whole whole grain cinnamon toast with raisin. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> and then when I did, it's like, wow, I wonder how many tens of millions of people are in the exact same boat I am. They just assume that grains are great and all my issues are a result of something, probably bad genes, right? It's probably my, my parents' fault for giving me these bad genes and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to continue to you know, make my food choices what they are. And that kind of, that led me to really, to start Mark's Daily Apple and start writing about my experience here. And, and then that sort of opened even more new doors of, you know, chronic cardio and how people are tending to trying to overcome a bad diet by over-exercising, you know, and how bad that, how bad that can be. And so, you know, it all kind of came together but over a period of 10 or 15 years, it wasn't like I woke up one morning and go, oh, primal, that's the thing. Right. So you figured it out over time. See, I find this so interesting to hear you talk about because I'm in a similar boat where I can write about this stuff. I can talk about it. I can learn about it and know about it. But I don't necessarily always implement it into my own life. I'll go through phases of thinking, oh, well, I can eat grains, gluten-free grains, like oatmeal, gluten-free oats, and quinoa, because why not? Because I don't want to be so limited. But yesterday, I had some tests with my functional medicine doctor, and the first thing he said was, you're going to have to cut out grains, because I have this rash pretty much all over my whole body right now. You can't see it, because it's like my elbow and all sorts of other places. And he said, that's a food rash, and that's from grains. So as of yesterday, I'll be cutting out grains, and I'm kind of inspired, or more than kind of, I'm very inspired to do the 30-day, like you did, the 30-day removal of grains and just see what happens. That's great that you're inspired. You know, you know enough now to, to realize that you're not really giving something up. You're sort of just shifting toward other things. So there's a lot of things that you could eat in place of grains that'll give you, um, you know, the, um, the satisfaction, the satiety and all that stuff that's going to, um, you know, that, that'll, that'll make whatever you think you're giving up feel like nothing. Exactly. I'm not too worried about it. I have good resources. I'm going to check out your website for some recipes for sure. Um, that's yeah, that's so amazing. So grain free. And then the whole fitness thing that you were talking about. So I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, including myself, have done the whole over exercising, exercise addiction, cardio addiction kind of thing. So what's your take on exercise and the over exercising culture that has become just the norm in our society, especially where we live? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So basically the first thing I'm going to say is that 80% of your body composition happens as, as a result of how you eat. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you cannot burn off the calories and exercise away a bad diet. 80% of your body comp, 80% of how much of you is body fat and muscle, 80% of, of how much of you burns fat, um, at a very high level throughout the day, whether or not you even eat food happens as a result of your food choices and how you orchestrate your diet. So that becomes the real key piece of all this. So the remaining 20% means, well, I got to do some exercise, but the good news is you don't have to do a lot of exercise to derive some pretty fantastic benefits. And that's even if, by the way, even if you're an endurance athlete. Uh, So I have, uh, I just wrote a book last year called Primal Endurance. And it basically, it's a response to, uh, over the years, I've been so down and negative on 
like marathon running and training for triathlons because it's so devastating to the body, all those miles. Um, but enough people came up to me and said, look, Mark, I, I get it, but I want to do one. I want to complete one. I want to, I want to race. And can you show me how to race where I don't tear my body down, how I actually build it back stronger and how I, um, and, you know, and how I can have a, a life besides training too. I can hang out with my kids or my significant other or my friends and not be the drag because I'm so beat up from having trained all this time. So, yeah, so I, I did a deep dive for several years into how we could maximize training uh, after we've gotten the diet dialed in, of course, and, um, and, and came to this conclusion that we don't need to do uh, much high-level, hard you know, running, cycling, swimming, or whatever it is, cardio. Most people train in a, what we call now a no-man's land. It's a zone where the heart rate is too high to be burning predominantly fat but then not high enough to be deriving some of the strength and power benefits. So you're stuck in this zone where all you're doing is beating yourself up every day. You know, you don't get any better. You don't improve, which is theoretically, that's the whole reason you train is to get better at what you're going to be competing at. And so I see people at the gym on a regular basis who are on the treadmill and they're just, you know, sweating away and grinding it out four or five, six days a week, 35, 45 minutes, Oh, look, I just burned 500 calories on the treadmill. And yet they've been doing this for four or five years. They got the same 20 pounds to lose. It's like, if that worked, you would lose the 20 pounds. But now you get this. Not only do you have the same 20 pounds, now it's jiggly because <laughs> you've been doing all that, right. all that jogging. So it's like something's not working there. Well, what's not working is they're training at too high a heart rate to be effective for their cardio. So the heart rate for cardio should be lower. We use a number of 180 minus your age, plus or minus five points based on your, your ability. But 180 minus your age as a maximum heart rate number for when you're doing aerobic or cardio stuff for weeks at a time. So some people would say, oh my God, I just can't, I can't even jog that slow. I have to walk to keep my heart rate that low. Well, if that's the case, what it means is you're not very good at burning fat. You're really good at burning sugar. And then when you burn the sugar, your brain says, hey, we're all out of glycogen, we're all out of glucose, let's go back and eat some more carbs. So you never really develop the skill to burn fat. Uh, so that's like the, the major thing is that we tell people, make your long workouts easier and longer even if you want, and make your uh, hard workouts shorter and even harder. I like that. That seems so doable, so manageable. Yeah. And then what it means also is that there's days you're going to have to take off. You can't come back and do it again the next day. For sure. But I, come from a, I come from a generation of people, and now it's multiple generations, you know, who sort of get out, well, I run seven miles a day, every day, without fail. It's like, well, okay, that's, that's not getting you any closer to your, you know, your goal times. You're just literally just beating yourself up every day. I mean, not, look, I don't want to judge people if they want to do that and they want to if they want to beat themselves up, if they want to, if that's their meditation or whatever, they want to spend time doing that. But if you're, if you tell me I want to lose weight, I want to optimize body fat, I want to maximize muscle and strength and power, I want to race faster, and I want to enjoy the rest of my life, then I got a better way of doing it. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm, I know that there's people out there who love to beat themselves up and that's like therapy for them, like harder, 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 always pushing harder. But even for the people who do that, even if they find it therapeutic, I think it's a little detrimental, not only physically, but mentally after, after a long time of doing that. So 
I've definitely been there. And speaking of meditations, moving meditations, whatever that may be, I'm so interested to hear what your meditation practice might look like, whether that's an actual meditation practice or if you find meditation in something else that you do. Yeah, I find meditation in hiking alone and and stand paddling alone. So when I'm out on a board in the middle of the ocean with the water lapping at my board and I'm in the zone paddling, not hard, just um, steadily because mm-hmm. um, I keep my heart rate below 180 Long, minus my steady age. workouts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's very meditative. It's very um, also productive because, uh, you know, part of my meditation is keeping an open mind. Mm-hmm. And when you keep an open mind, then the solutions to your problems arise. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've written some of my most, uh, my best blog posts while I was paddling. Uh, in your head? Yeah, in my head, for sure. Yeah, I Although love I, that. Uh, there, was, there was a time, like when I hike, I carry a recording device because sometimes I'm on a, like a two-hour hike and I, oh my God, that's the best, that's the greatest idea I've ever had. And here's what it looks like. And then I get home and I was like, what exactly was it now? Right, you know? right. <laughs> so, so I started recording. Yeah. But, um. So those are that's really my my meditation. Yeah. That's beautiful. Hey, before before we go too much away from that uh, original topic, I, I did want to bring up one thing about the exercise, which which I find yes. fascinating and and a little bit bizarre, and that is the number of people who go to the gym and do those sorts of workouts. And I ask them, well, why are you doing this? Do you like I, do you race? No, 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 I don't I don't race. Well, why are you doing this? And the answer is because I like to eat. Yeah, and it's like oh, everyone oh says my that. God. Wait a minute. You would put yourself through 45 minutes of misery every single day so you can have a couple of more bites of something you probably shouldn't have had in the first place? That's just – that's insane. That's almost the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so part of what we do with the Primal Blueprint and my new book, The Keto Reset Diet, coming out October 3rd. There's the plug. So excited for that book. Yeah. Is, is kind of work people, walk people through – a stair-step process where they teach their body to become so good at burning fat that they don't that hunger and, and cravings and appetite no longer run their lives, and they don't feel compelled to go to the gym and have what we call uh, exercise bulimia, which is basically you know overeating and then trying to sweat off the calories that you just overate, and then exactly. going home and compensating by overeating again, right? So all this stuff kind of goes away when you when you are able to reset your metabolism in a way that it's really good at burning fat. It's really efficient at creating ketones, so you don't need that many carbs at all, that your sweet tooth kind of goes away, um, that your ability to go long periods of time without eating, if you choose, um, are easy and, and graceful and simple. Uh, and, and it's a complete uh, empowering concept to be in this keto space. So that's my sort of my new, the, the next level of primal and the primal yes, blueprint. taking primal beyond. So let's yeah. talk about that. So I've been really kind of in and out of the keto lifestyle. I love it. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the energy that I get from it. And I can feel my body just functioning on such a higher level and everything just kind of moving faster and more efficiently. So how would you recommend, and I'm sure this is in your book, so everybody listening can go buy the book when it comes out in October, but until then, how would you recommend for people to get into this lifestyle? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me ask you something. So you say you're in and out. Yes. Um, and, and, and I'm not, like, that's how I am too. So I want to know your, why don't you stay in it all the time? 
I don't stay in it all the time for a couple different reasons. For me, I've had a lot of hormone issues, hormone imbalances, and I have a background of an eating disorder. I used to be a plant-based vegan, juice cleansing addict, kind of way on the other end of the scale of um, controlling what I put into my body. So I have to be really careful with the whole control thing. So when I felt myself getting really, really, really into the keto lifestyle, I had to pull back a little bit because I didn't want to be obsessive in my head. So I kind of just try to do it in a way that works for me, which is to go into it when it feels good. And when I feel like I need it or I need that extra reset, but also to be kind and easy to myself and also take care of my hormones. And I can't always do intermittent fasting because of the hormone issues and imbalances that I, that I occasionally suffer from. So I'm always just looking for what works as I evolve. That's the perfect answer. That is the absolute perfect answer. That's, that's exactly, you're the person for whom I wrote this book. Amazing. Yeah. To use keto as a tool. Mm-hmm. To reset your metabolism. As a tool. That's so beautiful. As, as it not, you know, if you want to use it as a lifestyle, I'm fine with that, right? If you want to spend the rest of your life in keto, which is perfectly healthy, and, and, and there are people I know right now who've chosen to do it because they feel so good. Yeah. But I don't even spend my whole life in ketosis because, first of all, um, there, there are times when I feel like, you know what, I'd rather have a couple of bites of that chocolate cake, or I'd rather... You know, I feel like uh, somebody just made the, this pozole and it's going to, I'm going to eat the whole thing. And, but I also know that because of the work I did, the times I was in keto, that I get right back into it within a day or two mm-hmm. if I need to. So, so I always live a low carb life. Um, and for me, low carb is, you know, under 150 grams a day, always generally under 110. And so I talk about keto rather than ketogenesis or or ketosis. I talk about the keto lifestyle being on the fringe. So sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm out, sometimes a little bit out, sometimes a little bit back in. And because I've built the built a metabolic machinery to make ketones and to burn them efficiently, because I've increased my mitochondria, I feel like I'm I'm always keto, even when I'm not showing ketosis on a, right. on a glucometer or, or a ketone strip. And I love the way you said you want to be kind to your body. And I want to experience life too. Like I said, there's some things that I want to eat and I don't want to not eat them just because I've been in ketosis for a week. I don't want to go out of it, you know? And I think that what we're starting to see is that the, the longer you, you um, exist in that, in that little fringe space where you're almost keto or you're keto or you're almost keto, the more leeway you have to play around with it and still be maximizing your energy and still be maximizing your fat burning and still be optimizing your body composition. And in your case, still be optimizing your hormones. Yes. Yes. So how would people start if they want to start trying to get into ketosis? Yes. So what we do in the book, we have basically it's, um, the book is called the keto reset diet, reboot your metabolism in 21 days to burn fat forever. And so the first 21 days are basically taking you into the primal blueprint. They're basically getting rid of the sugars, getting rid of the processed grains and pretty much all grains, uh, getting rid of uh, legumes. So it's a bit of an elimination diet, but it doesn't take you, you know, deep, deep, deep down. It might take you down to 110 grams of carbs a day. But for people who've been at, a, at 350 or 450 grams a day for most of their lives, that's a great first step. But if you go from 350 grams of carbs a day down to 20 grams of carbs a day, 
there's going to be rebellion in your body, right? The brain mm-hmm. is going to say, hey, whoa, 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 what's going on here? You've been feeding me glucose every three hours for the last 40 years, and now you're going to withhold glucose for, for a week? That doesn't work. That's because the brain hasn't yet built the metabolic machinery to, to be able to know how to burn ketones efficiently and not need glucose, you know, and not need blood sugar. You know, the, the muscles haven't learned how to efficiently burn fat uh, enough that they could get 85 or 90% of their energy in the course of a day, even at, at workloads that are, say, 80% of max, almost entirely from fat. Uh, because if you're a sh- what we call a sugar burner and you're used to, you're used to eating carbohydrates at every meal, you have, you've never really developed that skill of burning fat. And it's a skill that you are able to develop um, because you are shifting the genes. You're giving signals to the genes to build enzyme systems to take fat out of storage and burn it for energy rather than rely on a fresh supply of glucose that comes from the carbohydrates that you eat at virtually every meal. So, so how can people get started? They can you know, start by cutting out the sugars. And, that, and you know, for some people, it's like, okay, soft drinks, uh, sweetened beverages, you know, that's the Starbucks with the little shot of whatever vanilla or thing in there. But it's also the, you know, pies and the cakes and the cookies and the candies and the, all the desserts. Uh, and it's getting rid of processed grains that might be found in some of the tortilla chip type products. You know, you can, there's a, there's a big list of them. But what it leaves is, you know, all the vegetables you want, all the fruit, not all the fruit, but a lot of fruit, meat, fish, you know, chicken, eggs, nuts, seeds. It's it's a it's a great list of real food, right? Natural real food that people ought to be eating. And back to um, my having designed Primal Kitchen, the food company, I recognize that that each one of those things I just mentioned tastes even that much better if you put a sauce or a dressing or a topping on it, or you, it's how you cook it with spices or herbs that makes it, you know, not only just palatable but exciting every time. And so I I wanted to make an opportunity for people to. For instance, take the same bowl of vegetables and put a different dressing on it every day and make it have a completely different taste sensation. Yeah, that's so awesome. And be be healthy at the same time. You know, like our our whole mission with our salad dressings and our uh, mayonnaise is the more you put on the food, the healthier that meal becomes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. So I have a question about stevia. What do you think of stevia? I use it every single day. I've heard mixed reviews from people in the space. What do you think about stevia? I, you know, I don't, it's derived from a natural plant and it's been, you know, it's been processed a little bit just so it doesn't have, uh, microbes and germs and heavy metals and stuff in it. I'm fine with stevia. I mean, oh, good. uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine that. with, okay. I, yeah, I'm fine with stevia and monk fruit. Yeah. And I'm fine with a little bit of sugar. I mean, I'm not an anti-sugar guy. It's just like most people have 125 grams a day on average. I mean, I might have five grams a day in my coffee or something like that. Yes. You know? So I'm not like completely anti-sugar. Okay, cool. Again, it, it, like I want to enjoy every bite of food I put in my mouth. And, and if that includes every sip of coffee, then I want the coffee to be done just right, just the right amount of cream, just the right amount of a little bit of a sweetener. And sometimes it is stevia, by the way, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. monk fruit, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's sugar. I mean, if I'm a, you know, on the road and that's all I have is sugar, yeah, I'm fine. You know, it's just, I'm not putting bowlfuls of sugar uh, right. On my on on cereal or in coffee or you know added to recipes that I make I don't do that exactly okay cool so you're balanced you're all into the balanced life which I love totally yeah cool so getting into the rapid fire questions these are some that might be a little different than you usually get asked which I'm excited to present to you 
So okay. if you were a color, what color would you be? Blue, dark blue. Blue? How come? Yeah. Um, it's my favorite color. Um, it's the color of the sky just before the sun goes down um, and be- before it becomes night. Uh, it's the color of the ocean where I spend a lot of my time. Um, not necessarily the color of the Pacific Ocean where I hang out, but I was just in the uh, Caribbean a couple months ago, and that's blue. That's yeah, like, that's, that's blue. Right. That's beautiful. Or the Aegean. I was in, I was in Greece. Uh, what am I saying? Two months ago, and I was, and that's really blue. So yeah, cool. Without a doubt, I'd be blue. Yep. So chocolate or vanilla? Uh, chocolate. Chocolate for sure. Home or traveling? Home. Home. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a cancer. So I'm like a total homebody. Oh. I'm, I'm, I think in my old age, I'm becoming agoraphobic. I mean, I literally. <laughs> Um, I work out of my house. So I'm talking to you from my stand-up desk in my office. I, I work out of my house. I love my house. If you've seen pictures of my house, um, you know, I've got a, 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 a enormous day bed in the backyard. I have an infinity pool. I've got a slack line back here, back oh, yeah. there. So I'm like, I'm a total home guy. Why yeah. would you ever want to leave? That sounds beautiful. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and half the time Malibu. I go on an expensive vacation and come back and I can't wait to get back home. To, you right. know, so. I'm yeah. a home person too. So you're a cancer. When's yeah. your birthday? July 14th. Oh, good day. Everybody in my yeah. life mostly is a cancer. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could live by only one wellness tip for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, cut out sugar. Ooh, smart. Good one. If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be? Wow. You know, I have to say alligator. Really? Because I've been. I've been fascinated by dinosaurs my whole life. Like if your next question was, if you get, if you could get in a time machine and go back to what, to any particular point in time, I'd want to go back and see some dinosaurs. Yeah. Right. So, so so alligators are like the closest thing to dinosaurs that I can imagine. Yeah, totally. So you wouldn't want to be a dinosaur? Well, that's, you know, I, I, I I was, I'm sorry. I assumed the question (laughs) was was related to current time. Yes, usually, <laughs> but, but sometimes we can, we can be I mean, flexible. I, in that case, I want to go back to Game of Thrones and be a dragon. Yes, a dragon. So cool. Not the dragon from that last, the next to last episode this season. but <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen the show, but I oh, should watch it. Okay, I know okay, everybody right, loves right. it. I need to watch okay, it. Okay, all right. Well, this will, be, this will mean a lot to all your listeners, if not so much to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everyone listening certainly should, should be watching. So the one item in your pantry that you can't live without. Oh, in my pantry. Yeah. Um, other than my own products, which is a bit self-serving, I would say, um, I'd say almond butter. Totally. Almond butter is the best. Yeah. Where do you get your almond butter? I get, um, well, artisana. Let's see. I get a lot of, I, I, I'm lucky I get a lot of companies send me <laughs> right, right. almond butter. So, so never you, out of almond butter. Yeah, so you have yeah. lots of options, just like me. My whole kitchen is stacked with nut butter. Yeah, yeah, but like I'm a I'm an investor in Thrive Market, and uh, and and I also do business with them. So I always get like huge shipments of of their almond butter because they have a private label almond butter. Oh, now too. I haven't so tried that I, one. Yeah, it's very I'll have good. to. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite blogs to read? Let's see. I always liked Hyperlipid. I don't know that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my friends, Rob Wolf, Chris Kresser. I like those guys a lot. I think they're very smart. Other than the sort of endemic stuff in the health world, I, I really don't re- read a lot of blogs. I'm, I just don't have time. Yeah. I'm either writing my own 
or I'm reading, I read newspapers, you know, I read, I, I keep up on the news and I, I prefer a physical newspaper in my hands over, um, a, you know, a, a digital version you know, yes. on, on my PDA or whatever. Yeah. I get that. Well, you definitely have a lot going on. You're not sitting around perusing blogs all day, which makes no, sense. No. You're running all yep. of your companies and that is incredible. So to end or to wrap up here, I think the final question that I would ask you is what would be your top tip to people who are looking to set their soul on fire? To set their soul on fire? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do a a minimum five-minute gratitude exercise every day. I love that. So that's something that you do every day? I, every day I, every day I don't have a, yeah, every day that I'm at home and think about it, it's part of my routine. I'm very yes. tied to my routine. I'm on the road. It's like, oh my God, I forgot to do that. But yeah, for the most part, every day. And it doesn't take long and it doesn't have to be, you know, big, massive shifts in your life. It could be, I'm um, I'm really grateful for this warm cup of coffee in my hand on this chilly morning. You know, I'm I'm really grateful for the breeze on my face. I'm grateful for the sun that's uh, starting to creep through my eyes. I mean, it's just it could be mundane things. It could be huge. I mean, a lot of times I'm like I'm grateful for my family. I have the most. No offense to any of your listeners, but I have the most awesome family in the world. Love it. Um, yeah, and um, I'm ex- eternally grateful for that. You know, and so and and just the. F- the great fortune that I've had over the past um, five years to build businesses that exceed my what whatever wildest expectations I would have had when I was your age. Yeah, that's amazing. So cool. Well, you're such an inspiration to all of us. I absolutely cannot wait to read your new book. And we should definitely do some kind of like book signing event or we should link up and do something because that would be really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah we should sure. plan that. I love it. So tell all the listeners where they can find you. Uh, MarksDailyApple.com is the blog. Uh, we're going on 11 years next month. That's so crazy. Cool. PrimalBlueprint.com is where you can buy a lot of our supplements and, and, and food uh, items and find out about the coaching program. And then PrimalKitchenRestaurants.com and find out where they're going to be restaurants near you or if you want to you know, be a, a franchisee, get some information there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being here. This was so much fun. So much my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course.